coming up on this episode of Decades, the shows in the early 70s had remnants of the 60s, but this was a generation that was trying to define itself as different. Listen to this next episode and find out how the 70s distinguished themselves from the 60s. Thank you for joining us for Decades. I'm Karen. And I'm Regina. We are going to take you on a journey back in time and television. So, in the 1970s, and we, we were kids in the 1970s, one of the things that happened that was just totally... I guess a big thing that I had no consciousness of, the Chicago Seven were found not guilty. Okay, okay. Yeah, never never heard of it. I would say one of the probably big news issues for maybe our community was the first Essence magazine was published. And, you know, I love me some Essence magazine. That was, you know, even though I was, what, maybe three or, or three in 1970, but it started then. But I remember being a teenager and a college student and it being a really big deal to be able to, you know, save your money up and see who's on the cover. And whoever was was on the cover, that was it, right? Yeah, yeah. Black pride, makeup, hair, styles. I mean, it was just... It was just speaking to young black women. It was so empowering to have your Essence magazine and Susan Taylor had them braids, girl. And see, this was about beauty because this this was a magazine that talked about beauty for African-Americans. I mean, it didn't look like, you know, the magazines, the Cosmopolitans and all the other stuff that other folks thought was beauty. But this was beauty for us. This is what beauty looked like to us. Yes. And I mean, like I said, it may have started in the 70s, but when I came of age, it was the thing. I mean, every week you wanted to or every month, however it was published, you wanted to get your Essence magazine. So that was like a really big deal. And um, I know I know why the Caseberg scene by Maya Angelou was also uh, released that year. And that was I mean, that book was wild. Big thing. It talked about the issues that, you know, we just don't talk about. And so it just took. No, I'm sorry. Were you going to say something? I was going to say that when I read and I was probably in high school going when we you remember we used to go down to the library downtown yes. Fort Worth. Yes. We'd r- ride the bus down to the library. And uh, I just remember sitting back in the stacks in the. African-American, I don't think we were African-Americans then. I think we were just black then. So (laughs) we were sitting in the black section of the library and reading that book. And it was almost like, oh, my God, there is someone, some little black girl growing up somewhere else that kind of, you know, can relate to what we were growing up as little black girls, you know? Right, right. Because many of the books that we were we were told to read in school the people didn't look like us or sound like us or have our experiences 
Yeah. Yeah. So reading my answers, it was like, oh my gosh. And that just, I think that just really opened up my love for, for books because I read Maya Angelou. I read Langston Hughes. I mean, just all the authors back there. It was like, oh my God, there's a world outside of where we live and what's going on. Right. And the library was the opportunity to dip off into some of these authors that we weren't yeah. allowed to dip off into in, in regular school. Yeah. Yeah. But one of the big things that happened back here in the 1970s, PBS started. That's Public Broadcasting Systems. And that was the thing that brought us the Sesame Street and the yeah. Electric Company. Oh, oh man. I love me some electric company. Yeah, that that's when TV was really teaching kids things, the electric company and Sesame Street. And it was like you're singing the songs, but you're also um learning stuff. Do you think maybe the early 70s, after everything that happened in the 60s, was really focused on kind of promoting education among all the masses it was now you have civil rights and you know black people were uh kind of desegregated into schools and jobs and stuff and then you had this big push on tv for all these learning concepts and and things yeah but i'm thinking it, you know it probably went with that that um thing that's coming up for next for 71 is that when you just put all of the education together and you have to like share it which is what happened in 1971 the u.s supreme court ordered busing to desegregate schools so they said you know what separate ain't equal they said this in 54 but look you gotta do it now and yeah. so in 71, they did it. And I remember being a kid in second grade being bussed off to the other side of town. I remember yeah. my, you know, my parents weren't too happy because I'd had to get up like at dark 30 in the morning and be out there standing on the bus stop with all them other little kids. You know, we all had to get up early, get on the bus and go way across town, you know, and I guess it was kind of scary as a parent to know your kid is going way across town and you can't get to them. Yeah. And so, and then we get off the bus in this new place and be like, wow, this <laughs> yeah. ain't nothing like high school, y'all. <laughs> this ain't yeah. nothing like the little black school we all used to go to. <laughs> they got chairs for everybody and all the right. chairs work. <laughs> now, see, I remember being bused also. And I think for me also, it was like, Oh my God, look at all these people. Where did this, I mean, it was a, it was a real whole new world because we didn't really venture outside our neighborhood. It was people who we didn't know by name, didn't know who their daddy was, didn't know nothing about them. And it was like, wow, it sure is a bunch of them. <laughs> yep. It was, it was just, it was really a cultural shock to be sent all the way across the world. And and now as we talk about it and I think about it, imagine our parents coming out of living in the segregated South, not being able to do things, seeing all the problems that wait, they can drink at a water fountain. <laughs> right? Brown versus the Board of Education, all the protests and the anger, and then suddenly to be told your young children are gonna be sent across town. 
I mean, I can't imagine the anxiety they have. We'll take your five and six year old, put them on a bus in the yep. morning and yep. ship them across town and they just yep. gonna have to find a way. Cause that, you know, that was, it wasn't nobody to meet us at the bus when we got off. <laughs> Remember, we got off that bus kind of looking around going, wow, what's this? <laughs> I mean, I was just, cause you, okay. My first busing experience was going to Alice Carlson, which was elementary, which was right across from TCU. So it was a double shock for me because I'm seeing a, a university and this new school. And I'm thinking, and let's just be honest, more white people than I've ever seen in my life. Right. And it was like, oh my, what in the world is this about? I mean, it was just, it was just the weirdest thing. It really was. Yep. And then once you got there, of course, your your friends are different ages and stuff, the people you know. And so you're all separated into different classes with different people. And you get in there and there might not be nobody you know. Yeah. I mean, it's just a total, total different world. And one of my at one of my uh, high school reunions years ago, uh, a lot of the kids I went to Alice Carlson with, I ended up going to high school with. And I remember one of the little girls <laughs> telling me how she always remembered. And for whatever reason, her dad had to do her hair every morning to send her off to school. And she would always talk about how she would come to school with her hair looking a mess and how I would always redo it for her. And I was like, oh, Lord. <laughs> you know, because for us, it was like you get your hair combed before you go out and you need to look decent and in order. And, you know, even though mom worked nights, she would comb our hair and then put the little stocking cap. Stocking cap. I was just about to say, girl, we slept in stocking caps all night. <laughs> right. So so our hair would be right for school. So this little girl was coming, this little white girl was coming to school with her little daddy ponytails. And I'd be like, oh no, honey, let's let's fix this. <laughs> so I think, I think I've been an old black woman all my life. Because I was recombing that child's hair in, in elementary school. <laughs> you are an old black woman and shame on you. <laughs> shame on you. But yes. And for people who don't know what stocking caps are, that's when somebody would take their old pair of pantyhose, yes, tie the legs in a knot, yep. <laughs> and use that booty part to put over your pants. <laughs> now you didn't have to call it the booty part. You can just say they take their old pantyhose and tie them in a knot, and you know they caught my mom worked at night. She wasn't trying to come in early no morning and comb in two girls' hair and get them on a the bus and get them fed and all that. Because back then, we would eat before school. Like, we would have cereal. Yeah, they didn't have breakfast at school. We would not, because of the bus route, we would not get there in time to have breakfast at school. Yeah. So she would comb my hair at night with the little stocking cap on so the hair wouldn't move. You know, this was pre-wave cap and bonnet, okay? My mama was on something. She should have she done something with that. And then we get up in the morning, take our stocking cap off, eat our cereal, and run out to the bus. That's so, right. But yeah, that was that was some things I do remember. But what, what else stands out to you about the, this era? Well, you know, 
the thing, and I and I laugh because I think about this, this, especially this early 70 part when we're talking about like 1970 to 1973. Uh, mm. Not much because I was small, but I do remember the Jackson 5. Oh, Lord, mm-hmm. I love the Jackson 5. Well, I told you, I was in love with Michael Jackson, honey. Because we didn't see very many black people on TV. Yeah. And let me ask you this. Do you remember that they had a cartoon I vaguely remember the Jackson 5 cartoon. I vaguely do remember that. Yes, yes. I don't remember that. I, I do. I remember the, the Jackson 5 cartoon and little Michael. And I mean, just seeing someone who looks like you, who maybe, maybe could relate to you as a young Black person in America, that was a lot. So seeing Michael and all his brothers singing and dancing in the fancy clothes and stuff. It was like, oh, yeah. Yes, that was, was my boyfriend. Ah, no, you had Jermaine. Remember, I had Michael. Mm. That was a beautiful yeah. thing about being a big sister. You could you could relegate her to the second or third brother. <laughs> well, you thought you had Michael by yourself, but in my mind, we were sharing Michael. So anyway... Yeah, but, but yes, loved him, loved Michael Jackson, yeah. But one of the things that does stand out about these early 70s is a TV show came on that changed everything about how we look at families and how mm-hmm. we see them. Because up until then, you know, you had a mom and a dad and the dad went to work and the mom stayed home and you might have kids who mm-hmm. have struggles or something like that. Mm-hmm. But in 1971, a show came on the air that changed everything. And that show was all in the family. Dad was no longer a lovable buffoon. <laughs> Archie Bunker became something else to America. And you know what? We couldn't let go of it because Archie Bunker stayed on until 1998. Yeah. That show was on a mighty, mighty long time. It, yeah, it, it came, it debuted in 71, starring Carol O'Connor, Gene Stapleton, Rob Reiner, and Sally Struthers. They did over 208 episodes, and it says over like nine seasons. Yeah. Yeah. And and that was back when seasons went from September to May. Yeah. So they was doing like 20 to 30 episodes a yeah. season. Yeah, that was a long time ago. But isn't that funny now looking back to think after you come out of the 60s with all the racial strife and upheaval in the war and Vietnam, and you put Archie Bunker out front on TV is what you want people to start watching. Now, let me just say this. He's a, a, a racist, uh, probably homophobic, misogynist, any other is you can come up with. But listen, we watched Archie Bunker and we have because it was so fun. It was almost like the joke was on him. He didn't realize how stupid he was. And we watched just to laugh at him. Well, the truth is the joke was on us because he was showing us ourselves because we thought all that stuff was funny. <laughs> that's true. Yeah, that's true. Let's just go on and be... That's just going to be real. This is going to be real. Now, and I'm, I'm just going to confess, I love me some All in the Family. Girl, you know what? My favorite episode is the one with Sammy Davis Jr. Oh, my God. Baby. 
that was hilarious for those of you who don't remember that's when uh all of a sudden um sammy davis jr i think gets somehow stuck at their house he yes. accidentally comes by and he gets stuck in there and archie is just he just loves sammy davis jr but of course he don't love sammy davis jr he loves that black man who's sammy davis <laughs> and he can't help to tell he can't help but tell sammy now in spite of the fact that you black i love you and i'm a fan <laughs> And it is absolutely hilarious because of the way that Sammy reacts. Because, you know, most people would be indignant or want to fight. And he just, you know what? He just, you know what, Archie? Okay, I'm good with you. You know what? Right, right, right. And he, I think he showed us, I think he was showing us, this is how we need to react to these type of people. Yeah, and I think the thing about Archie was there we not seeing, like, now we see a lot of malice yes. in the world. I yes. don't think Archie was a malicious person. I think Archie wasn't the smartest person in the world. And a, a lot of his beliefs were beliefs that had been passed on to him from family. I'm not saying that's right or that's wrong. I'm just saying you can see the generational beliefs in him. And the interesting thing about that family was, even though him and, and, and Edith raised uh, Gloria, his daughter, Gloria and Edith, the wife, didn't share the same views as Archie did. You know, it's like Archie was this one person in this home with all these views. And he did. He loved Sammy Davis Jr. kind of in a, you know, I love a minstrel show kind of. You was so good in that minstrel show doing that little dance and stuff. You do that little dance for us right yeah. now. <laughs> but he didn't really understand. He didn't really see him as a human and a person. And I think at some point, Sammy Davis Jr. was like, this guy is, is you almost felt sorry for him because you thought this guy is just, he's out there. He is really, really out there, but he's not a malicious person. Doesn't make it right, the things he says, but you just realize at some point, like, dude. Right, right. But yeah, but and it, so that show, that show kind of changed the way we saw comedy. It changed everything. Yeah. He, he put it right out there in yeah. everybody's face. Oh, my gosh. Oh, my gosh. And he introduced us to the Jeffersons and yes, Maud. And, yes. I mean, that was a time when you could say honky on TV and everybody would laugh. And it's like, <laughs> what in the world? But it was just so different. I mean, that TV was. was like, wow. Right. And this is, like I say, this is that 70s kind of trying to make that turn from the uh, what, the previous years or the previous decades. Yeah. And you know what? We different. We go. Let me show you how different we're going to be. Yeah. One, another thing that happened in the 70s, baby. And let me tell you, this was another one of them shows that lasted 100 million years. This is when we got so train. Oh, girl, let me tell you what. The joy of my life, the joy of my life was Saturday watching Soul Train. Yep. All week, you wonder, who going to be on Soul Train this week, singing what and dancing? Dance? And what dance they going to do this week? Listen, listen, 
you know, I did not realize or learn till later that Soul Train was the reaction for Black people because we couldn't get on American Bandstand with Dick Clark. That's right. Because they wouldn't, they they would allow the, I think they would allow the Black performers to come on, but they would not allow any of us in the audience. Yeah. And so yeah. it was like, or maybe it was, they wouldn't even allow the Black performers to come on. They just played their music. Yeah. It was very restrictive. Yeah. But Soul Train kind of answered that. And, you know, this started in Chicago. Oh, Okay. Yep, yep. And it was a music talk show started in 1971, went on to 2006 with the host Don Cornelius. Love, peace, and soul. Right. And he did, they did 989 episodes over 35 seasons. Come on, Soul Train. Y'all know, because you know what? We still do it now. Get a party. Let's form a soul train line. There you go. Come on, everybody. Let's break it down. That was the show. To see the top artists would go on Soul Train, and you got to see them sing. You got to see people dance and wear outfits. And I mean, that was just Black pride all over your TV on Saturdays, girl. It was. That was beauty. That was music. I mean, it just encompassed a whole bunch of things. And it was just like, black people was like, yes, because that was it. That was, you know, it was Soul Train. What was they wearing? Oh, you yes. know, look at how she was wearing her makeup. Look at her. Mm -hmm. I mean, I bet they set all kinds of trends on the Soul Train. Oh, you know they did. You know they did, girl. Not just fashion, music, and dancing. Yeah. Yeah. So what do we got? We got the Soul Train and the Archie Bunker. And oh, a cool thing. One of those things I want you to think about is in 1972, Barbara Jordan, who was from Texas, and Andrew Young became the first Black representatives from the South. That was 1972. I know sometimes we like to beat ourselves up and say, we've just been doing this for so long and we haven't gotten for, but it was 1972 that we got the first black representatives from the South. And and think about that. Yeah. And that was from the last time we had had black representatives from the South was 1898. Wow. That was what reconstruction. Yes. Or no, that was yeah, really I mean, after reconstruction. Really? I mean, that's like, I mean, when you think about the early 70s, this period we're talking about coming out of the 60s, which was like whiplash, you know, and you start to see some movements and some growth. We get some growth here. We got moving things. We, we getting there. But I mean, you just bring up such a good point in the politics with Barbara Jordan and Andrew Young. And the uh, Congressional Black Caucus was formed in yes. 71, you yep. know, and and Shirley Chisholm uh, ran for president. Okay, see, we made some moves in 19, the 1970s. We said, you know what, it's going to be different. And they did it. They did, did it. some stuff that they had not done before. Yeah, I mean, if it was the beginning of, you know, you come out of the 60s where we fought for the freedom and getting out of war. We wanted peace and love. And you just starting to see kind of the, the 
the spread of it. The, the, the family on television is looking different with the bunkers. And even, um, even though Julia started in 68, it was still going on in the early 70s, right? Yep, yep. And Julia was a show starring Diane Carroll. She played a nurse and she was a widow and she was raising her son. Um, and so you had this show of this professional black woman raising her son on primetime television. Single parent. Single parent. So, I mean, it was just, I love that they were in, including different pictures of the life of America in, in from 70 to what, 73? 70, yeah, 73. It was just... It was just different. And then we got good times coming in 71 and oh, early years being, I mean, all this stuff was happening and we look back on it now and we think, wow, what, you know, those three years were like, wow, look, look at all the stuff that happened that kind of changed television and the way we interacted with each other. But of course, like you, all I got out of it was, you know, Soul Train and, um, the Jacksons and Sesame Street and the electric company, because that was, that was my world. And let me just say this for all you folks who don't know, when we were at that age, our television was black and white. We couldn't afford okay. no color television. So nope. everything we watched was in black and white. Yep. Yep. And there was one Uno television. Okay. One in one room. Yep. You had That's to be allowed it. in that room to watch that television. That's it. So more than likely, we as little bitty kids was watching whatever our parents was watching. And our dad loved news shows, crime shows. So that's probably what we were watching, too, as little kids. That's probably what's wrong with us right now, watching these news shows and crime shows all the time. Yes, because that's what he was watching. And that's what we watched. OK, but, you know, still it was a. It was a good decade. And hopefully our reminiscing has gotten you guys thinking about your memories from the early 70s. And you know what? We want to leave y'all with this because I want you to know there's this great documentary by Questlove and it's called The Summer of Soul. What he did is there was this festival they would have in Harlem every year is the summer of 1969. He does, they, uh, the folks decided to uh, videotape this festival and it was amazing. I was sitting there watching it going, I did not know that. Now, the first thing that blew me away about this festival is that Edward Hawkins was, I was thinking, they got gospel singers coming? They had gospel singers, they had blues, jazz, I mean, B.B. King, everybody. And so they videotaped this festival, but then after they videotaped it all summer, they didn't do anything with it. Questlove got permission. They got this thing together. And I think if you watch this video, if you watch this, and I think it's on, I think it's on Hulu. If you watch this, it's going to give you moments of what the 60s were like and what the 70s was going to be. 72. A lot happened. And music, music was off the charts in the yeah. 70s. I mean, you had the Temptations with Ball of oh, Confusion. James yeah. Brown got on up. Yes, yes. Lying the Family Stone was thank you. 
it was a lot of, of good music that was that was coming out, especially with the Jackson Five and the Supremes and Mary Wells. I mean, black music was just on point. The it early was. 70s, it was like, oh man, this is what's up. Thank y'all for joining us. Bye. Bye. Decades with the Sisters is produced by Karen J. Anderson. Music by Karen's friend Dave. And Regina Anderson just shows up to talk.